Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you in the producer chair. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Lots of college troops to get to today. Obviously, we'll be talking a lot of Penn State men's basketball now that team activities have been paused due to couple of positive tests on the tier one side of things with the team we'll get into that Nate Bauer from Blue White Illustrated is going to join us a little bit later on in the four o'clock hour and Bucknell men's basketball coach Nathan Davis is going to join us at 335 today Bucknell 0-2 start to the season got Lafayette this weekend in their weekend home and home series there so we'll see if the Bison can bounce back so we'll have Nate Davis join us at 335 for his take on the first couple of games so far which has been a new team a lot of new faces trying to work things. A lot of young faces, too. So I'm sure Steve will get into that with, with Nate as uh, he comes on at 335 today. So we'll get to all those topics in a moment. And I'm sure once Steve joins us here, um, he'll have some comments, I would, I'm would, i guessing, on what happened yesterday at the U.S. Capitol. Of course, uh, we did not air the show yesterday um, because we were airing our coverage from CBS News on what was happening at the Capitol. We thought it would be more important, a little bit more provident to air what ended up being a very serious situation at the Capitol, U.S. Capitol yesterday. So uh, that is why we were not on air yesterday. So we can bring that coverage to you from CBS. And uh, we are back to normal here today as we can be after uh, a a dark day and, and a tough day for our country for sure. And just hopefully when everybody looks back on that day, everybody can remember a little bit of what happened and can learn from it in terms of maybe trying to be a little more tolerant of each other, Steve, uh, going forward. I'm not sure if you have any quick thoughts on that before we get to our topics du jour. Well, after listening to your rants over the last few months about the Eagles, (laughs) to hear you preaching tolerance, I just find it disturbing, to be honest with you. It's an incredible about face by you. I feel like I'm back to the first two years of the show. <laughs> Which is, as you know, I try to approach as much as I can with uh, um, a little sense of humor at, at once in a while. One thing that the show is supposed to do is it's supposed to bring some semblance of normalcy to what we do. That's why I really do everything I can 
to stick to sports. You know, we'll talk about the issues of sports, money, things like that, contracts and so forth, TV, ratings, business of sports, which used to drive the suit nuts. And it's like, uh, it's about money. <laughs> He's like, no, it's about, it's about loving Jerome Bettis. I'm like, okay, great. Um, well, that's not surprising. Although I laughed the other day because they, they were talking, what team was it? I can't remember what team I was watching, and they were complaining how the team was only averaging 3.9 yards a carry. <laughs> and that was Bettis' career number. <laughs> he hated when I brought that up. He hated it. But the, you know, we do this show not as an escape. Well, we do the show because there's a sense of normalcy as to how we go about it. At least I think so. doesn't mean we're putting our head in the sand or anything like that. We all watched what happened yesterday. And, you know, when you see something that's, that's disgraceful uh, and ignorant, right? Okay, now, you, now we need to settle, start making a turn toward getting back to a semblance of normalcy. The semblance of normalcy is how we do this show. The semblance of normalcy for me will be eventually getting back to doing a game. Uh, the semblance of normalcy will be then getting uh, people to uh, uh, to get vaccinated and then get back so we can safely go to a nursing home and see our loved ones, uh, to have our loved ones over for a party. Uh, a sense of normalcy will be going to the ballpark if we want or going to a Little League game if we want and having the youngsters play Little League again. Uh, the semblance of normalcy you know, around people I'm with, obviously, is having them go to Beaver Stadium or the Jordan Center or something. We need to get back to a sense of normalcy in everyday life and yesterday was not normal well let's see if we can now make the transition and the turn into more of a sense of normalcy in every facet of our lives including the political side of it okay that's my only comment on it so you hated it I can tell no well said that was appeasement. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, C.J. Thorpe is going to transfer out. Uh, he made that announcement himself today. Judge Culpepper, who had announced he was going to transfer, ended up at Toledo. We're going to have Nate Bauer on the show today to talk about that. Uh the coaches show returns tonight. We're carrying it. Yes. Which means Jim Ferry will be on tonight. Okay. Nate Davis at three thirty-five today. I guess we missed out on 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 um, yesterday about complaining about the Eagles. Oh, with Ruben Frank. Yeah, um, I did text him. We will, we're working on a rescheduled date probably next week, I'm thinking, but we'll see. The Eagles aren't playing next week. That's true, but their offseason issues are not going away. So, 
What 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 off season issues? <laughs> Could you elaborate? Well, like the, where would you start? In all seriousness, uh, the quarterback situation. You got Nate Sudfeld. What's your problem? <laughs> You hate talking to me about the Eagles. No, it's fine. Yeah, no. As I've mentioned before, it's very cathartic for me. <laughs> the reason you do is that I make fun of everything you say about. Them. But see, when you put that when you put that spin on it, though, it, it helps me kind of release some tension, though. Even now, because we just like you know whatever we laugh it off. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I was um, in all seriousness. I think people know that. There is um, a mini casino that's going to be built here in Center County. I think you saw that in the. I don't know if you put it in your newscast or not. I don't believe so. No. The construction is going to begin in a couple of months. I mean, there's. I think. I think there's. I think almost every hurdle is cleared for it. Uh, and I mean almost because I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what all the hurdles are. But it's not, I mean they've announced it that it's going to happen. They're going to start building it, and then probably in the spring of 22, which is what 14, 15 months from now, it'll be in existence here. They haven't given the exact site of it, although I do know what it is. You know, they've just said it's near the Nittany Mall. Um, uh, but I do know where, where they're going to put it. Um, so there's a technicality to it as to where they're putting it. It's no big deal. And it's not just going to be a mini casino. I believe there's going to be sports book put into it. And... And that's something that, you know, first of all, I have no issue with sports book anywhere. I've, I've never, it's not my deal. Okay, <laughs> it's it's not my bag. Um, that doesn't mean it's not yours. So I have no problem. It's your money. You can do whatever you want. But I think it's going to. The more sports book that is out there. It, look, the house wins for a reason. Okay? Uh, and these guys that put these lines together, as you sit back and go, wow. You know, you'll see a game, it's like it, it, the team's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and like you go into the fourth quarter, it could be seven or eight, You're everybody's waiting to see. Late play happens, changes the number, the whole deal, right? But I think it's going to bring with it a uh, potentially more bitter fan base, which is what I admire about you. You're just naturally bitter. Uh, <laughs> 
But honestly, you're right, though, because when money starts getting involved, then... When it's your money that gets involved. Exactly. That's the difference. That The big difference is it's not the when money gets involved. It's when your money right. gets involved. Right? Now it becomes personal. And I'll give you a quick story about that. You know me. I always have quick stories. And it was 2008. As we all know, Penn State at one point had lost nine straight games to Michigan. Well, 2008, Penn State ends up winning the Big Ten Championship, and Penn State has a really good football team, really good. So they're playing Michigan and Beaver Stadium. They've got a chance now to wipe wipe this nine-game thing out and just go. And in the fourth quarter, Penn State's up, I want to say 18, something like that, because there was a safety, uh, Jared Odrick in the end zone to get a safety. And so Penn State's up 18 points. They're driving down, driving down. Then they really can't be stopped in this doggone thing. Can't, you know, can't stop it. Um, And then they make a couple of dumb plays and the drive stalls. They bring out Kevin Kelly, kicks a field goal, and Penn State's up 21. And I go, Penn State's up 21 here in the fourth quarter over Michigan. Back with more of the Penn State Sports Network, blah, 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 right? And the crowd's like, uh, I looked over at Jack. I said, what's wrong with these people? I said, they haven't beaten them in nine years. I said, now they're up 21 points in the fourth quarter. And they're like, yeah. I said, what, a field goal wasn't good enough? He's, Jack looked at me and said, Steve, the line's 22. I went, oh, really? Wow. So on the Penn State then gets a three and out. It gets the ball back at their own twenty yard line, and I think it was Pat Devlin. I think it was throws just a simple screen pass to Stephon Green, and Green takes it eighty yards for a touchdown, and the place goes insane. Now it goes insane because it was an eighty yard touchdown play in the fourth quarter against Michigan. It was an exciting play. It also made the number 27 (laughs) and not 21, which eventually became 28. See, I think, I wonder if that's where we're headed in terms of fan reaction in the stadium. It's not only do you win, did you beat the number? And I've talked many times to my class about this, and I have brought up on the show this topic, but I'll bring it up again. I've talked to my class repeatedly. I said, look, you can do it. It's your money. You can do whatever you want. But my unsolicited advice is do not gamble on games that you are covering. Because I think it then affects your coverage of the game. You're either too euphoric about what happened because now you made money, Or, if you lost money, you're going to be ultra-critical and upset, even if the team won the game. But you didn't win. I said, you need to remove that from what you're doing so you can be more fair-minded about what you see. I said, that's just unsolicited advice. Your problem is just a different problem. It's emotional. (laughs) Yes, you are correct about that. (laughs) You get really worked up 
I mean, well, Luke is the calmest guy in the house. I don't know. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. I didn't realize we had a digital recording of Suit Light and his fiance. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, Chris Elio, here comes your moment. The Mets not only made a trade today, they made a beauty. Oh, yeah, they did. I mean, Chris, I mean, the Jets are awful. I feel like a jerk for picking them on Friday. What the heck was I thinking? I was caught we all up did. in the euph- I was caught up in the euphoria of the of the Jets moment. So the Indians get a pretty good prospect, by the way, in Andres Jimenez, along with Ahmed Rosario, Isaiah Green, and Josh Wolf. Like, okay, that's what the Mets gave up. This is what they got. Carlos Carrasco. Whoa! Give Carrasco credit. Coming back from leukemia, 2.91 ERA. Guy's got guts to overcome all that. And they got Francisco Lindor. Now, Lindor, like everybody else last year, probably didn't have the greatest season. He had 258 with eight home runs, but man, the Mets just came out of this a big time winner. They got McCann behind the plate. They got Lindor short, and you know what? They're going to make a run at George Springer. They can move McNeil to second. Suddenly the Mets up the middle. Wow. McCohen has tons and tons of money, and he's spending it, Philly fans. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Join now at Happy New Year to the head basketball coach at Bucknell, Nathan Davis. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you, too. It's great to be with you once again. 
All right, so what was whatever version of training camp you have, what was that like for you getting ready with everything, all the protocols put in place? What was that process like? You know, it was certainly very different than what you're usual, which what's typical. Um, you know how coaches are and teams are. You always want everything to be kind of uniform and getting a routine. But this time of year, with the way uh, thing is with COVID and everyone's having to deal with the unusual and the and the change, it was changing day to day. But I thought we were able to get a lot of work in. Um, had to try to keep them interested by doing a lot of scrimmaging, obviously, because we were we started again we started practicing back in October, but didn't play until last weekend. So. Um, trying to keep them interested, trying to prepare um, as best you could without having games to play to kind of get into league play was different, but I thought overall our guys did a great job of concentrating and working and, uh, and getting themselves in a position to be ready to play. The guy that you haven't had, though, is John Meeks. Uh, out, you, know, you have to overcome something like that, so what have been some of the dominoes because John has not been able to play? Well, I think the thing that with with John was he'd been playing so well in practice, and and so much of what we were doing was going through him. Um, and he was a guy that could kind of kind of brought confidence to everybody and could settle people down when things weren't going well. And so, um, and he's a guy that had played before. And we're pretty young, but having kind of just having that kind of steady hand out there was is the is the biggest challenge I think um, that we're facing without him. But again, I think we've got the people that are capable of making the plays, as we've shown. Unfortunately, um, the two games didn't get the way we wanted to, but we had opportunities in both games to, to get wins and, and just didn't get it done. Uh, let's talk about that, because one thing that did happen for you is that, especially in the second game, you know, you may not have won it, but the defense clamped down more. How important is a, is a foundational piece is that defensive component for you based on the team that you have right now? Well, I think being good defensively is always a key. You've got to be able to, to to win when you're not making shots. And I thought that – I actually thought really in both games we played defense decently well. I thought we really hurt ourselves in the first game with some just awful turnovers that led. I think they had six breakouts, you know, trying to throw uncontested, uncontested layups coming the other way because of turnovers, which gave them, gave them 12 of their points. But um, I think being able to do it consistently, um, possession to possession, and it'll be a big challenge this weekend with Lafayette because they play a very different style of game. It's more up-tempo, a lot more movement. Um, making you guard longer. I think if you're going to be good and, and, and be as good as we want to be, we have to be able to sustain it for, for 30 seconds uh, possession and for 40 minutes. Obviously, in for example, in women's volleyball or in wrestling, there are back-to-back days that you play. Uh, college basketball normally is not a back-to-back thing unless you get to conference tournament play. But this is just back-to-back. It's the same team back-to-back. So what is now? You've only had to do it once, but what is that like for you when it's back to back home and away like that against the same team within 24 hours? You know, it's weird. I actually spent some time talking to some football coaches um, that I've known over the years leading up to it to get a feel for how they prepare for the week. Because in basketball, you don't typically have that where you have a full week to kind of get ready for a game. So I talked to them some, but I think the the thing to remember is first off the guys are 18 and 22 years old so certainly it can be tiring but if you ask them to a man what would they rather do play Saturday and Sunday or practice Saturday and Sunday they're all going to want to play so <laughs> let's not let's not use this excuse like they're going to be way too tired I think there's certainly challenges to it and that you don't have as much time to turn around um, you you typically have time to really go back and go over things um, in detail that you want to adjust now it's got to be more um, walk through type deal watching film um but it's not like you're reinventing the wheel every time. So uh, I think there's some advantages that you have a week to kind of get ready for stuff, so you don't need to cram it in in a, in a day or two. But it is it is certainly different when you're playing not only back to back, but back to back in different locations um, is 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 not normal. 
No, it, it, it isn't. But then again, this, this year isn't normal either. How grateful are your kids just to be in the position where they get a chance to play? Yeah, he. Uh, I, I think they're excited. I mean, everything is so much up in the air um, each year that, uh, or everything was so much up in the air throughout the fall for everybody. Uh, I think the idea that we're getting a chance to play games is there's a certain sense of normalcy that comes to it, and I think everyone's very excited and grateful to have the opportunity. I want to get to Xander Rice for a moment. You know, obviously the bloodlines are incredible. Yes, I watched his dad play in person. All right, okay, okay, I'm old. I got it. You know, but with his background playing for Bobby Hurley Senior and so forth, he takes over as your point guard. What are the attributes you like of Xander Rice as a point guard, and what are a couple of areas he needs to grow into the job? Well, I think he's got a great mind. Um, he wants to lead. He can make shots. He's got a physical body that he can get in the lane and make plays. He's a willing passer. I think we're all all all, all uh, positives. I think the biggest thing is obviously he just has to play a lot. And so, getting out there, getting the opportunity to play in different situations and and deal with different things that come up is is, is something that's going to help him grow moving forward. Paul Newman obviously is a guy that's a senior, but Andre Screen is a true freshman. They're both playing for you, but what opens the door? What does Andre Screen bring to you as a as a starter that allowed you to say, you know what, let's get him into the lineup right away? Well, one, Paul was Paul was coming off an injury, and we weren't really yeah. sure how much he'd be able to play last weekend. Um, and he felt pretty good on Saturday when he got out there and didn't have any really lingering effects on Sunday. Um, so that was really the, the first decision as far as why Andre started. But I think Andre has a very bright future. I mean, he's every bit of seven feet. Um, he's got great hands. He's got great feet. He can... He has great touch around the basket. He can make multiple moves, and he can even step out and shoot it. So I think the future for him is very bright, and the more he plays, the better he's going to get. I think one of the great things about him is he's just going scrimmage to scrimmage or practice to practice. He's gotten better every time out there. Andrew Funk's a guy that cleared double figures 21 times last year, including a 22-point performance against Loyola. Uh where do you need him to be even a little bit better this time? Because you're trying to get growth each year out of somebody. So where can Andrew grow for you in this lineup? Well, I think the first thing he's done is on a leadership standpoint is be more vocal. He's certainly done a good job with that. And I think he's got to be, and he's, he's, he's shown it, he's got to be better in the lane um, as far as finishing and drawing contact to get in the free throw line. Um, for him to really take the next step, he's got to be more than just a, a, a jump shooter. And he's certainly capable of doing that. And uh, I think he's going to see more and more of it as we move forward. All right, so now let's get to the left-hander of the group. Some This will fit me pretty well. I don't have his game, <laughs> but, but he's, we're at least both left-handed. And, you, of course, you're talking about um, Andrew Van Hyden. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. He'd be new to fans around here. So, you know, tell us a little bit about him and what he brings to the table for you. Well, you know, he's, he's big. First off, he's 6'9", and he's 225, and has a great yeah. vertical and really gets up on his jump shot. So he's a guy that's really hard for anyone to contest an effective shot as long as he's getting it in rhythm and, and taking quality shots. He's a tough kid. He's gotten more and more physical throughout his career. We need to, I think, do more where he gets around the basket. He can use that body. And he's a capable defensive player. I think a couple of the big plays he made this weekend is he was a, showed he was a good rebounder. So, at his size and athleticism, he can do a lot. He can be a matchup problem at both ends because he can guard multiple spots. He can rebound. And he can step out and shoot. So the only thing that he and I have in common is we're left-handed. All right, great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for bringing all that out. No. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Anytime. <laughs> By the way, Nathan and I are back at seven for the uh, evening show. Don't forget to tip your waitress. <laughs> guy that's not, guy that's not playing for you right now, but is at least a part of what your mix is. And eventually, because he's a transfer, is Miles Latimer, out of Stony Brook. Uh, what do you like about him, and what was the attraction to get this kind of transfer into the program, even though he can't play yet? You know, we recruited him out of high school, um, and so we were very familiar with him. He decided early on that somewhere to go to Stony Brook, but he'd been on campus before, um, which certainly helped with the COVID stuff. Having and then wanting transfers, he'd been here before, so we knew what campus was like. But we felt like he was a guy that um, was six five, um, could play multiple positions on the perimeter, had been in big games before, had played high level competition before, came from a great high school program at Paula Sixth in uh, DC, which is one of the best programs in the country. So we played against great competition for really you know seven eight years, um, and that he would bring a certain ability to make shots, create off the dribble, and a toughness um, that we needed. Obviously, everybody in the Patriot is in the same boat. Uh, I just went through this in Big Ten football. No non-conference games. You get out of the gate right away with conference games. Uh, as Because of that, are you still in the process of figuring out combinations? You don't have a couple non-conference games. More than that, more than a couple to figure a few things out. How tough's that been? You know, I think from a coaching standpoint, that's the hardest part. Like you said, typically right now, we've already played 12, 13 games um, going into league play. We haven't played any. We've scrimmaged, but scrimmaging is not the same as a game. You know, um, scrimmage is not the same as people that are game planning for you. As you know, 100% of what they're doing, you got to feel, you got a general idea about what they're doing, but you don't play them every day. And so seeing how guys respond to that, officials, the lights on, I mean, there's a whole, it's a whole different world. And I think that there certainly was an advantage for the teams that, that have had a chance to play. Um, we can't use that excuse. We had an opportunity to win two games, and we need to be better moving forward if we're going to give ourselves a chance to have a great year. What kind of job, though, has your staff done between what Paul, Joe, Jonathan have done, even Dom Hoffman, your manager of basketball operations? What kind of job have they done to at least give everybody a shot in this whole thing? No, I think they've been great. I think that they've uh, spent a lot of time with guys. To You know, like at the end of the day, they're, they're 18 to 22-year-old kids. They're human beings, and it's a tough time. I mean, our guys haven't been home since since December 1st. You know, it's the first time they've ever been away from home for Christmas. and, New, and Well, for New Year's, they're typically around, but, you know, for Christmas. And so there's a mental mental drain on them. There's no doubt about it. But I think that our guys and our staff have done a great job of being around, picking each other up, um, um, and, and just trying to get ready to play. Absolute pleasure, Nathan. Appreciate it very much. Uh, during what is a trying time where you're trying to navigate a lot, Bucknell couldn't ask for a better person to do it than you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Steve. Have a great weekend. You too. Nathan Davis joining us, head basketball coach at Bucknell. This isn't easy for any coach to go through and do this. Uh, you're trying to look. Is there a handbook as to how to navigate a global pandemic? Nope. Not for any coach there is. And based on what we've seen the last few months, not for the CDC either. All right, back with more in a moment. As we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Listening to that uh, progressive commercial. That's how the suit warms up before a Shikalemi game. Drives Dave Ritchie nuts. 
That probably would, yes. Zimbabwe. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, here I am, Zimbabwe. Rolls off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ah. You guys think I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you're not. Yeah. Exactly. It's how the suit warms up before games. I mean, he records that open like 22 times before he thinks it's perfect. He's a perfectionist. That is a definite. I, I kept telling him that, just so you know, over and over, that, hey, you know, there's a game after the open. <laughs> It's a game. <sighs> he doesn't quite get that. So, Ruben Frank will be on next week for Eagles Fest 2020. <laughs> sure, let's call it that. Admit, you like it's. You have a love-hate relationship with your team. Correct. That's how most Eagle fans are. You you'll you, you'll you may curse them out or whatever. You may you know express some dislike about them on 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 an on a talk show like this. But at the end of the day, you still root like a lunatic for them. It's just the way the Eagle fan base is. You have a love hate relationship with them, <laughs> and and you love to hate them. I think you love hating them. No, I, I can I can definitely say that is a no. Come on. Is this team always interesting no matter what? Yes, I'll say that. This team is not boring by any means. <laughs> no, they aren't. Actually, your commentary isn't. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> your commentary is... Really, very entertaining. Uh, over and over again. I mean, I think it's one of the more entertaining parts of the show is when they lose and on Monday. There have been a couple times, I, I'll admit, I left the room. <laughs> came back and you were still ranting. I'm like, oh, okay. I just... <laughs> so You're I not the only person so... to say that. So Lisa and I have the same philosophy as how to go about this. Aha, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Francisco Lindor, I mean, Chris Elio sitting there right now, what a happy guy he is, okay, on two fronts. Number one, jet season's over, right? Then they'll botch the draft and it'll be fine, okay? Uh, <laughs> but they got Francisco Lindor. I will say this about the um, about the Mets. The Mets are not the national or international brand the Yankees are. I mean, the Yankees have fans uh, in Washington State. They have fans overseas. I mean, the Yankees are a national and international brand. 
But in the five boroughs of New York, the five boroughs of New York, the Mets are as loved as the Yankees. Especially, I mean, and I'm talking about if they're winning, especially. And the um, and this kind of deal that they made. I mean, Cohen promised that he would go out and he would spend money. He is worth, I believe, fourteen and a half billion dollars. Now, you know, they want to talk about worth. That includes, like, you know, his summer home in Danville and things like that. But, no. Not his summer home? No. Oh, Ford for. <laughs> Big taxpayer. The, um... The... But he's worth $14.5 billion. He promised Met fans he would spend money. So they have, along the way, acquired McCann as a catcher. They now get Lindor. They're going to put in a heavy pitch for George Springer. They've got Stroman. They made the deal to to pick up the May kid for the bullpen. They're making moves. They're making moves. As a Phillies fan, you're going to be a little uncomfortable with that if you're a Phillies fan. I know you're not. You're a Yankee fan. They'll sign LeMahieu next just to kind of ruin your day. Yeah, that's my big worry right now. Is he going to go to the other side of the Big Apple? There's a difference between you and me. I don't worry about that stuff. <laughs> okay, fine. Meanwhile, Tennessee officials have not extended the contracts of assistant football coaches and have paused hiring coaches for vacancies as they continue to investigate whether their recruiting violations occurred within the program. The sources told ESPN that Tennessee's recruitment of Amarius Mims, the number three offensive tackle and number 19 player in the ESPN 300, is part of the compliance department's inquiry. Mims, by the way, signed with Georgia. Sophomore tailback Eric Gray was held out of the final regular season game against Texas A&M for, quote, undisclosed reasons. Now, that's the same. By the way, it's the same phraseology we use when we, when the suit moved out of the show. Undisclosed reasons. While the Tennessee officials wait for the investigation to be completed, the athletics department has not renewed or extended the contracts of assistant coaches, some of whom have deals that expire at the end of this month. That includes wide receivers coach T. Martin and inside linebackers coach Brian Niedemeyer. The volunteers also have two vacancies after head coach Jeremy Pruitt fired defensive line coach Jimmy Brumbaugh after four games and offensive line coach Will Friend left the team last month. Pruitt has talked to potential candidates and the university has vetted them, but they can't confirm if they've hired anybody. Pruitt, by the way, is 16-19 and 19 in three seasons. 